Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Welcome to Rosedale Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us on Rosedale Online. If you've been with us, we've been going through the, the sermon series of hope in helpless times. Hope in helpless times. And these times can feel like, at times, helpless times. Remember that a couple of Sundays ago we talked about islands of stability. That when everything's transitioning, everything's changing, we need to build our life on some things that never change. Some islands of stability, God never changes. God's word never changes. God's presence uh, never changes. We need to be focused on and founding our life on the Lord. And then we talked about uh, in 1 Samuel 17 when uh, the Philistines on the other side of the valley of Elah and then Israel and uh, Goliath, that giant. Uh, it was a national assault, national assault. Uh, and where uh, the nation of Israel saw Goliath, uh, there was a little shepherd boy, David, who saw God. Uh, and so uh, during times where uh, it can be fearful and certain. They can even be uh, intimidating. Uh, our hope in helpless times is focusing on him. And then if you remember uh, last Sunday, uh, last Sunday uh, we talked about Jehoshaphat when uh, three enemy armies, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Moabites, uh, had coalesced, were assaulting, coalesced, were attacking. Uh, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do. He, he was fearing. He turned to the Lord, and the Lord said, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Jehoshaphat must have felt helpless, almost as if anything he did would make no difference. Uh, anything that he did would make no difference. And so uh, when you're in that situation, whether it's uh, locked in, shut in, whether it's during this time, uh, and you feel like there's really nothing I can do to, to make a difference or to make a change, I feel uh, helpless, there's still a whole lot we can do by tuning our heart to God, uh, staying connected to the church, uh, loving on our Bible reading, making sure, hey, there's a whole lot we can do. Now, not directly to change it. God is the one that changes it, but there's still a whole lot we can do. This morning, we're in Revelation chapter 1, still hope in helpless times. Hope in helpless times. We're going to start in verse number 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John, the apostle John, who had some all-time highs and had some all-time lows, like us, uh, a roller coaster of a life where uh, there was so many ups and downs, like us. Notice first the location. The location that John was. Look at 9 again. Uh, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in persecution, uh, in hurt and hardships, in distress and anguish, in pain and persecution. Boy, that's the location that he was. Uh, and he said, I'm your brother and companion in tribulation. Uh, I'm curious as to why he would say that. Uh, why didn't he just say, I'm in tribulation? Because he's writing to the seven churches, uh, and almost all of the seven churches are also being persecuted, are also uh, in hardships, are also uh, in tribulation. In fact, the churches in that time were being persecuted by Jewish religionists, by uh, the Roman Empire, husbands killed, children stolen away, Christians 
losing their jobs. As far as Rome, why they had just experienced that reign of terror, Caesar Nero, who always wanted to rebuild Rome, and so to expedite that, he burned it down himself. He fiddled while Rome burned, uh, and he blamed it on the Christians. Uh, to the point that, that that attack on the Christians was fierce, was, was, was hard. He killed them. He tortured them. He even, during his chariot races at night, would, would uh, fold them and dip them in tar and engulf them in flames. It was a horrific time. Uh, at that time, uh, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Christians lived in and died in the catacombs of that day. And, and so the church, going through tribulation, John going through tribulation, said, hey, I'm your brother. I'm your companion. I know where you're at. I'm exactly where you're at. Verse 9, the location. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, the island. The isle which is called Patmos, that's the location, the location Geographically, it was a small island, 24 miles off of modern Turkey in the Aegean Sea, some 10 miles long, some 6 miles wide, a crescent-shaped island. And depending on the time of year you go, rocky and barren, much like the life John had now, geographically. Historically, Eusebius, the historian, said that Caesar Domitian sent John to the island, penal colony, political exile, for preaching the gospel in 95 A.D., Thus, the words, I, John, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Quite literally, Patmos means killings, sufferings, death. Geographically, it looked like that. Uh, Historically, uh, that's what John was going through. Uh, Quite literally, uh, John's in the isle of his sufferings, in the isle of his persecutions, in the isle of his death. Physically, well, that's where John's at. They've already tried to poison him. Uh, nauseousness, still carried today, didn't die. Uh, and then they tried to boil him in oil. History, church history tells us, boiled in oil, uh, he didn't die. Uh, John the apostle of love didn't die because love beareth all things. Uh, love, love never faileth. And so John lived up to his name, but now exiled to that island. Geographically, hard, rocky, barren. Historically, Uh, Caesar Domitian sent him there to die. Uh, And then literally, uh, my death, my suffering, my killing, uh, physically, well, he'd still have that nauseousness. But he'd still have that pain, the scars, and the disfigurement that he would have gone through. No wonder, he said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, by the way, uh, that word tribulation is the same word that's that's penned in Matthew 24. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated. Same Greek word. And that's where he's at. Well, under this point, please don't just hear the words audibly. Please don't just read the words visibly. Please uh, don't just consider the words mentally. Feel the pain he's going through. Sense the uncertainty the church is experiencing. Hey, put yourself emotionally on that island, maybe on the other side, from a distance, looking in, and see John still nauseous, still pained, 
still hurting, uh, isolated, uh, alone, shut in, uh, uh, put away, uh, death, persecution, and dying. That's the location John was. Uh, does anybody think that uh, during this time he needed encouragement? I, I, I would. Uh, and by the way, so did God. Put down number two, the Lord John saw. The Lord John saw. Look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, the King, the King of Kings, our hero, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white like wool. This is the Lord John saw, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet, like a fine brass, as if they burned in the furnace. And his voice was the sound of many waters, that roar of a, a waterfall, a sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And all God's people said, wow, unbelievable. And the location he was was trumped by the Lord he saw. Can you imagine Goosebumps. Can you imagine the adrenaline rushing? Can you imagine just overwhelmed? Now, his body physically still hurting, still pained, but, but spiritually, wow. Verse number 17 shows his response. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Follow me. Christ comes along at John's lowest point in his life. He comes along when, when John is exiled in prison, tortured, and, and the killing and the persecution. And, and, and he lifts him up, gives him a, an incredible vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, transfigured and glorified. Because God will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so during all of this hardship, why God went out of his way to show John a transfigured, a glorified hero savior paint the picture in your mind see it his hair white like wool as white as snow his eyes as a flame of fire his feet as fine brass that burn in a furnace his voice that roar the sound of many waters his countenance shined like the sun and his strength that's the lord he saw but this wasn't the first time he saw the lord like that it wasn't the first time uh, it was at least the second time that he saw the Lord like that, transfigured and glorified. In fact, you have to turn back in your minds about 50 years prior to this. In Mark chapter 9, years earlier in John's life, a, a young man then, an identical vision of a transfigured, glorified king was given to him. Mark 9, 2. Jesus led them, Peter, James, and John, 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 the apostle John. Uh, Jesus led them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. As no fuller on earth can white them. Seven goes on to say, and there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. It doesn't say this, but I'm almost positive. It was as the sound of many waters, rushing waters. That waterfall, just like Revelation 1. And it came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. In fact, Matthew's account, John responds the same way. And when the disciples heard it, Peter, James, and John, 
they fell on their face and were sore afraid. A, a very similar revelation, a very similar vision during, during incredibly different times. Wait, Mark 9, Revelation 1. Wait, high and lifted up. His hair white like wool. His eyes a flame of fire. His voice is the sound of many water. Almost identical visions during de de definitely radically different times. You see, that first vision was on a high mountain, not on the islands of my killing. That first vision, he had camaraderie and fellowship and friendship. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Uh, not solitary confinement. Not isolation. Not loneliness. That, that first vision, Mark 9, was during an all-time high in his life. Not during this, this all-time low, the worst days of his life. Uh, that first vision was in his youth, strength, vitality, health. Not his old age weakness being boiled in oil, nauseous still from uh, being poisoned. That first vision, uh, he had everything to look forward to in life. Not now, Revelation 1. The darkness and gloom of the end of life. The exact same vision during radically different times. The exact same vision during totally different times. You see, Mark 9's revelation of a transfigured, glorified Christ 50 years prior at an all-time high, things couldn't be better and now the exact same vision, he runs to John's side. Exact same vision 50 years later, same vision, but at an all-time low. Wait, what significance does, does it have? What can we learn from this timing? We've already seen the location John was. Number two, the Lord John saw. Put down number three, the lessons. The lessons John learned. I believe there's some very specific lessons, some teaching, something that God was doing in his heart uh, when he gave him almost the exact same vision two times at the height, at the depth, at the best, at the worst. Uh, some lessons that we can take with us this morning. Christ comes running to John's side on Patmos, uh, that, that island, and, and basically says, John, let me remind you of a few things. Uh, remind you of a few things. When you're on that island of suffering, on that uh, exiled and lonely, number one, hey, remember, God's still as present as on the mountain during that low time. God's still as present. Christ is as close to you now during the suffering, during the hardship, during that exile, that loneliness, uh, as he was when you were on that mountaintop with friendship and camaraderie. He's still with us, just as much on Patmos as on the mountaintop. He's still with us, just as much in the sorrows of life uh, as he is in the joys of life. He's still with us, just as much when pain hits uh, as when prosperity uh, and pleasure flourish. Look at 12. And, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, interacting, fellowshipping, communing, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 20 says that the candlesticks are the churches, verse 13, and in the midst of them, in the midst of them, in the middle of the church, you're connected, you're connected, we're gathering digitally, we're connected as a church, and in the middle of us, the Lord Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. Hey, John, the churches are going through sufferings, but, but I'm still present, he would say. Hey, John, I'm going to give you the exact same vision as a reminder that I'm just as present 
in your loneliness, just as present in your hurtings, just as present in the trials you go through. When the hard times hit, physical health problems or financial struggles or relational explosions, it's easy to, to isolate and feel like you're all alone on an island all by yourself. We have the tendencies to recluse. We have the tendencies to isolate. We have the tendencies to, to go it alone, to, to suffer alone. And it's during those times that God wants to remind you, in a real way, I'm still present. I'm still with you. I'm still by your side. I'm still carrying you every step of the way. It's during those times, those hard times, that Christ ran to his side. When thou passest through the waters, Isaiah 43, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What island of suffering are you going through? The isolation and hurt and feeling exiled are you experiencing today? Can I remind you the same thing that God reminded him? He's still present. He's still present. He's still with you. The exact same vision, two totally different times. Exact same vision, two radically different times. Christ wanted him to remind him that God's still as present on that island as he was on the mountain, and he is for you. Number two, God's still as perfect on the island as he was on the mountain. He's just as perfect. It may seem like everything's changed, but he's still as present. Everything's changed, but he's still the same. He's perfect. Look at 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, I saw one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, uh, and gird about the paps. And look at the perfection, the perfection with a golden girdle, not just a girdle, but a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white, were brilliantly white like wool, as white as snow, not just kind of uh, ruffled and, uh, and white, the purity, the perfection. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, that, that purifying fire, and his feet like a fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, the dross, there's no sin in him. He's perfect. And his voice is the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth, sharp two-edged sword. His countenance, here it is again, the perfection, was as the sun that's shining in its strength. What's John being reminded of? He's being reminded that God's just as present on the Isle of Patmos as he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. God still is perfect on that island of suffering, on that island of persecution, as he was perfect on the Mount of Transfiguration. In fact, 2 Samuel says, as for God, his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. Perfect. Hey, John, God makes no mistakes. Would you say that with me? God makes no mistakes. Say it with me. God makes no mistakes. And on the islands of life, the sufferings of life, not only do we isolate ourselves and God says, hey, I'm just as present, just as present now, we'll also begin questioning God. And he's reminded, hey, God's still perfect. He's still perfect. Don't isolate. Don't question. Be reminded he's present. Be reminded he's perfect. The lessons John learned, number three, Christ comes running to his side. During that time where he's isolated, I'm present. During that time when he would be tempted to question, I'm perfect. And then number three, he 
he ran to his side and said, God's still as providential on that island. He's still in control. He's just as providential there as he was there. Look at verse number 10. He's still in control. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. Look at it, verse number 11, the first and the last. Look at 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He has all wisdom. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for you. Look at verse number 18. Not just is he all wisdom, omniscient. He knows what's best for us. 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. He has power over death, power over the grave. Uh, I'm he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Uh, Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. The fact that Christ rose from the dead, not only is he all wisdom, omniscient, he's all power, omnipotent. He knows what's best for us. He can do what's best for us. He knows what's best for you. He can do what's best for you. And the fact that Christ runs to the side of John at his lowest point, he's hurting. Boy, physically ill, scarred, assaulted, attacked. Christ runs to his side at his lowest point means he's also not only all wisdom, he knows what's best, all power. He can do what's best. He's all love. He wants to do what's best for us. Hey, don't forget, John. God's still in control. Don't forget, John. He still is in charge. He's still providential. No matter how hard it seems, God is still reigning from on high. He knows what's best. He wants what's best. He is doing what's best. In fact, he maketh all things to work together for good. To them that love God, to those that are the called according to his purpose, you see, when our circumstances change, changes, God stays the same. That when our finances plummet, God's still high and lifted up. When our health falters, God's still faithful. When our situation trembles, God stands unchanged. In him is no variableness, even when our circumstances have it. He is the Lord. He changes not. Even when our circumstances around us do God comes running to the side of John, who's on the Isle of Patmos, suffering, loneliness, hurt, heartache, tribulation, and he says, whispers into his soul, hey, remember on the mountaintop 50 years ago? When everything was perfect, things couldn't be better. Boy, you had the youth and the vitality, your dreams being realized, your circumstances ideal. Hey, hey, John, I'm just as much with you today in your sufferings as I was back then. I know just as much about what's best for for you now as I did back then. And I want to pour my grace and my mercy and my love upon you, walking with you now just like I did back then. You see, God gives them a great reminder that, yes, John, your circumstances have radically changed, but no, John, God never does. He's present. He's perfect. He's providential. By the way, the last point, not only does God give John something, John gives God something. Just as God's character remained the same, John's obedience remained the same. 
But now number four, we saw the location John was. We saw the Lord John saw. Number four, we saw the lessons John learned. And then number four, the life John lived. Wait, how did John live through the sufferings? How did John behave during the hard times? How should we respond when we're in islands, islands, isolated, shut in? How should we respond? Well, John, he still listened to the word of God. He still listened to the word of God. Stay connected. Why, open the Bible in the mornings. Spend time meditating on the word of God, memorizing the word of God. Hey, stay connected to the preaching of God's word. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me God's voice, a great voice. Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice, the voice, God's voice, a great voice that spake with me. Why, he kept an open line of communication with God. He didn't put up a wall. He didn't turn his back on God. He didn't turn a deaf ear to the one who's in charge. If there ever was a time where God's word is life and death, where we have to stay connected, we need to make sure we're drinking in the word of God. It's now, it's now uh, on that island of Patmos that we find ourselves on. Number two, uh, he still listened to the word of God. Number two, he still leaned to worship God. He's still listening to the word of God. He still leaned to worship God. 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I fell at his feet as dead. It's more an act of reverence rather than being scared to death. It's an act of reverence at the awesomeness of God. Worship. It's not something you work up. Worship is a natural response to the greatness and majesty of our king. Your heart automatically bends and leans in worship he did it on the mountaintop when the disciples heard it they fell on their face he worshiped on the mountaintop when the disciples heard it they fell on their face he did it in his personal time john was the one that that leaned his head on the the breast on on the chest of the lord jesus christ hearing the heartbeat of god he did it on the mountaintop worshiping he did it in his personal life worshiping and now he's doing it again he he listened to the word of god where the life John lived didn't change. The life John lived didn't adjust. The life John lived didn't turn his back on God. Listening to the word of God, leaning in to worship God. Number three, he still loved the will of God. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle of, that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Ten, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Did you notice it didn't say, I was in the gall of bitterness on the Lord's day? It didn't say, I was in the depths of despair on the Lord's day. It didn't say, I was angry at God on the Lord's day. But I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. You see, John wasn't serving God for what he could get out of it. He didn't serve God because he was healthy. He served God because God was holy. He didn't serve God because he was wealthy. He served God because God is worthy. And he embraced the Isle of Patmos as much a part of the will of God as that Mount of Transfiguration. Let me close with this. It's nice to have mountaintops in our life, isn't it? When everything's great, the pay's increasing, the health is perfect, the job couldn't go better. It seems like God is blessing every step of the way. It's nice to have the mountaintops, but you find out what kind of Christian you are, not on the mountain. You find out what kind of a Christian you are on the islands. Are you still listening to the word of God through this? 
Are you still leaning in to worship God as you experience this? The Word of God, He still is present. Worshiping God, He still is perfect. Are you still loving the will of God? He's still as providential. I, I think the Apostle John, as he read Paul's words or heard Paul's words, uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I received of the Lord. Uh, Jesus, uh, the testifier of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, he, he, he stood strong. Uh, in fact, 1 Corinthians 15, he was steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we're still talking about his ministry today. This morning, we're still being comforted by how he responded during these times. Why? Because he didn't fold it up. He didn't throw it in. He didn't quit. He didn't drag up. He didn't get discouraged to the point of quitting, turning his back, shaking his fist at God. No, he, he kept listening to the word of God, kept leaning in to worship God, kept loving the will of God because he learned on that aisle of his suffering, he still is present. He still is perfect. He still as providential. Can we pray that in this morning and just be comforted by the fact that whatever aisle of Patmos you're in, not just the situation around us right now with the coronavirus, though at times we can feel like we're on an island, shut in, shut away, uh, alone by ourselves. Hey, I sure hope that the, the Spirit of God whispers to your heart this morning, He's just as present. He's just as perfect. He's just as providential. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.